lives matter. They've always mattered. We love hosting this podcast, but this is our time to listen, not talk. On this episode, Adventure Nannies On Air is featuring Black leaders from the nanny community and other industries. Today's episode is facilitated by Daniel Sadler, our communications director. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we did. Hello, welcome to Adventure Nannies On Air. My name is Danielle and I am the Director of Communications here at Adventure Nannies. It is my honor to introduce you to two incredible people who I've had the great pleasure of getting to know and speaking with. First, I'd like to speak about Mr. Chaz. Mr. Chaz's mission in life is to help people enjoy the process of becoming the best version of themselves. He is an educational specialist for a chain of private schools where he works with nine different schools. He has a master's degree in executive leadership. He has over 50,000 followers on TikTok and is the CEO of Making the World a Better Place. He is a featured creator on Get Vocal, where he does an interactive podcast every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today, we're also very excited to speak with Nanny Kim. I would love to tell you a little bit more about this incredible human being. For the first 25 years, Kim supported parents by supervising, nurturing, guiding, and inspiring their children as a career nanny. She is a single mother of a toddler daughter and state-licensed foster mother. She also serves as the Director of Family Services for the U.S. Nanny Association and as the president for the newly started Nanny Sitter Education Fund, which can be found at www.nsc.fund. Known as Nanny Kim on the Go, Kim has learned to empower parents and children alike, helping to sharpen their communication skills and pinpoint challenging areas to be transformed by experience and wisdom. Working with well-established placement agencies and using her professional background in human resources, finances, and administration has helped to solidify a career that she loves. Kim's clientele has included high-profile candidates like members of the Saudi Royals, as well as private families all over the U.S. She is the owner of Nanny Kim on the Go, a parenting consulting agency based in northern New Jersey, offering supportive services to parents, foster care providers, the hiring process of nannies for private families, helping with behavioral issues in children, and the positive building between nannies and their work families. So without further ado, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Chaz and Nanny Kim on the go. Hello, hello. Hi, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. We have um, some good things to talk about. And so um, I think we're just going to dive in. great. Yeah, let's just, you know how much we like to talk, so let's just... <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, um, and so today we're talking about, and I'm looking at the meeting topic, managing COVID-19 restrictions in care. And so I, I'm actually going to start off pretty heavy. Coronavirus, COVID-19 is a topic of conversation that everyone is talking about everyone is affected by in one way or another adults children you know grandma's grandpa everyone in between and i think it's important that we have lots of conversations about the effects that you know covid-19 the pandemic is going to have on us on the world right and it's not just there's the clear impact of the physical health right and that's what where the conversation is and that's what we tend to talk about you know, nonstop. And that's an important conversation to have, how to keep ourselves and the, our loved ones and everywhere the people around us, the community, healthy and safe. But I look at health as not just physical health. I look at health as also mental health too. And there's there's been some conversation about, you know, the deaths of despair and people dying as a result of the you know, reaction to the pandemic of the stay-at-home order and people being more, you know, closed off and not, you know, people talk about how children don't have that safe haven to go to school or really be around other people and in abusive family situations. Um, And then there's the impact of just people not being able to socialize and interact. And I think it's really interesting 
to as a millennial, I am a millennial. I might be the only one on this call who is a millennial. I think I am, but we get pegged as um, <laughs> the you know the me generation who doesn't know how to build meaningful relationships with others um, because we're so disconnected through technology and and because we don't connect as much in person. And I think that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation. And I can't say that I I 100% disagree with it, but I think, I, I wonder, you know, if that's us as millennials because we just had access to technology, what about a whole generation of little humans who are being told to stay away from each other, who are, you know, the thing to do is to just to stay at home and to disconnect. And yeah, so, you know, we talk about connecting through Zooms, through other ways, through the internet, maybe even through playing games. But again, to the generation's point who call us the me generations, who, who, who call millennials the me generation, who, you know, don't know how to build meaningful relationships, it's not the same as the, those, those in-person interactions and connection. And the connection doesn't quite feel the same. And so I just wonder, you know, what a generation five years from now, 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, who have, you know, lived through this and has adapted to this new norm that we are creating. Right. And yeah. And everyone has, and it's such a nuanced, very interesting conversation to have because everyone has their different risk tolerance of, one, people have different beliefs. People have different beliefs because there's so much, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of information. And I think sometimes that just can be confusing for people, one. Two, people have different levels of risk tolerance. So what I might be willing to risk. I think is worth worth the risk. Might not be something that you think is worth the risk, but we have to now cohabitate. And the risk I'm taking is the risk that you're taking now. And then that's a whole another conversation that you have to have. Um, and then right. bringing people in the home of, of, of nannies, and you and you talk about sending your children to childcare. You have to really be able to trust those people, you know, trust that nanny who's coming in and the nanny trust the, the home that they're coming in. And exactly, you, know, yeah. you sending your children to childcare, you're not only trusting the, the teacher, the, 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 the company, the director, whoever, but you're also trusting the other kids in the room, right? And their family members and their family members, family members, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have. So I just kind of want to start off like with, with that kind of big picture thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about physical health so much, but I do want to us to also talk about the, the balance, you know, is what is the right balance? And it's, I think it's probably different. It's different for different people, but what is the right balance between physical health and then mental health? Yeah. I think those are all valid and good points. And, you know, I I think for me, I look at that situation and then I look at a lot of people that I've talked to, whether it be nannies or parents, and there's this like this feeling of selfishness that that I really hear as the thing that's going on right now. You know, the well, what about me? How do I feel? What do I want? And. I think that it's all great to be, I think it, it, it's fine to be selfish. I think that, you know, you and, and everybody has their own rights to be selfish. But what I feel that is missing is that people are not communicating. And there are so many things out there about COVID and about how to protect yourself that when you take things and you say, okay, well, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, that's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to wear that. You know, I'm not going to wear that mask when I go out or, you know, my daughter is four, she's not two. So, you know, she's still a kid. I'm not going to make her wear a mask if she doesn't want to, you know, those type of things, they come from a, like a selfish mentality, which is where I have the problem. I feel like there needs to be something all the way across the board 
that goes into how we explain things and how we do things because you can say one thing to a child and then you do something else and then they're going to do what they see, not what you say. And that's how it's always been. That's how it will always be. And one of the things that I, I express to people is that it's not so much about what you teach the children. It's about what the adults do. It's about what you teach the adults. What the, what the adults do ends up becoming what the children do. New routines, you know. So mm-hmm. for me, things that I've started personally in my home, I've always been, I always take my medicine in the morning. But I think last summer, before all of COVID started, last summer, I started my daughter on the Zarbee's elderberry multivitamin. That is the best multivitamin in the world. I, I, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I don't work for Zarbi, but <laughs> I, um, I live by those, you know, that, those, that brand because it's a multivitamin with iron and everything, but they added elderberry. When I tell you I came down with the flu, no one could come and get my daughter because we didn't know if she had it, if she was going to contract it. She stayed with me the whole time. Before all of this flu stuff start happened, I went to Bali for, for two weeks. We traveled to Hong Kong and to Bali. And when I tell you, my daughter did not get sick. My daughter has, I think, had the sniffles for two days since we started it last, last year in the summer. She has not been sick. Her immune system has been amazing. So, you know, I had to start. Mommy's going to take her vitamins just like you take your vitamins. And every morning, her routine is, oh, you know, we can't walk out the door until we take our vitamins. You know, like, (laughs) mommy, where's my vitamin? You know, so I was telling Chaz, he was laughing at me because I said, we get in the car and she knows I strap her in her car seat and then I get in the front and I turn, you know, I I put my strap, you know, my, my car seat strapped in. And what happens is now when I get in the car, if I turn the car on before I put my seatbelt on, she stops me. Mommy, no, turn the car off and put your seatbelt on first. Mm-hmm. So it's routine and it has become a routine for her. And those things are the things that we teach our children. So if we want them to be safe during COVID, we have to really sit down as a family and figure out what are the things that are important? What are the do's and the don'ts for our family? that we're going to incorporate in our life. So like Chaz is saying, it's not just about the physical, it's the mental, it's Mm. the, it's a family thing. So when you're doing this, you sit down, Hey, you know, you're going to work. You still going out. Yeah. I'm still going out. You know, her, my, my, my daughter, her father still goes to work. So he never stopped working. He was an essential worker. So he had to still go. I, I took the 14 days, and did the, you know, the two week of staying at home. And then when I started back to work, we, my daughter and I actually went and lived in with my family that I, I nanny for. So from Monday through Thursday, we stayed there. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we were home. So I made sure that we added, we actually added, my boss and I sat down and added a COVID clause to our contract. That said, she would take two weeks, um, do the 14 day period. I would do the 14 day period. And then from there, I would come and live with her. And if I decided to go home on weekends, that I would practice social distancing and not, not be around other people. Mm. And I agreed to that because it was important for me that if we're sitting down and talking about what's important to us, we are concerned about our children. We're concerned about who's coming in and out the home. So those are things that we did to make sure. And so even with families that I consult with, they would say, you know, the the daycare closed. I had to hire a nanny. What do I need to do? And I would tell them things like this which you can incorporate. I would say, you know, if that, if it's going to be the same person every day, let them bring a suitcase to your house of clothes, wash and dry the clothes there, give them a space to put their items. When they walk in the door, check their temperature. If their temperature is fine, let them come in and let them immediately go and to the bathroom, wash down and change into their clothes that have already been at your house. 
those are things that you can do to make sure that everybody is staying safe and that you feel okay. Because children are going to be children and you can't tell them not to hug someone or not to be like, if that's the person that they're around every day, they're going to, they're going to immediately run to them and hi, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just what they do. And you can't always stop them and you don't want to change who they are. And you have to just be careful with the, oh, don't touch that person. Don't do it. Because then you, you change the, you change how that, how that child is around people. Mm. And we don't want to raise children that are not affectionate, don't know how to show love. So we do want them to still be affectionate, but we also want them to be cautious. Being cautious means that we have to help make sure that their surroundings are safe for them. It's no different than houseproofing for a two-year-old, a one or two-year-old. Yeah. We're houseproofing. We're making sure that our community is safe. You go to the pool, like we went to the pool today. You know, they open the pool. There's social distancing at the pool. People are wearing their masks, except for when they get in the water. When it started getting to be uncomfortable for me, where too many people were coming, we packed up and we left. So you have to watch your surroundings, know what's going on, but most importantly, talk to each other and have a a conversation with whomever is in your household. And that includes your nanny. Mm -hmm. You know, let them know, hey, I know that you still have to be around your family, but I would appreciate it if you would limit it because we're limiting our outside around our family. And so even now people are starting to travel. People are starting to travel, but they have to stay at at wherever they are for two weeks before they can go back home. So if you have people traveling to your house and they're coming into your home and you have, you know, a nanny that's working for you, that nanny should be notified. That nanny should also be okay to tell you that they're not okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because we're not just talking about your safety and your children's safety. We're also talking about that nanny safety. I can always use myself as an example. My boss has like company that was coming in town and I had to talk to her and I said well when are they coming how long are they staying are they going to get tested before they come in the house because we know that they're coming from it from somewhere else they may be coming from a different country from another state if they're coming into your home and you haven't been around them you don't know where they they're coming from who they've been around you they're coming through an airport or somewhere where there's a lot of people you you have to kind of be cautious and not let your guard down just because you know people because you that's how people are contracting this they're like oh well i'm just going over to my aunt's house i'm just going over to see uh, my sister i'm just go-. but you don't know who your who your family members and friends have been in contact with so you have to you know be vigilant about the routine and make sure that the kids understand that this is what we're doing now when we come in we're taking our clothes off at the door and we're going to take a shower after we take a shower. Yeah. Like, because now everything is starting to open back up, you know, and you're seeing that the numbers are going back up in certain States. So that means that, you know, the numbers are, are going up because people have let their guards down just because, you know, things are opening up. It doesn't mean that it's safe. It just means that there's more room for them to take you at the hospital. That's what somebody else was telling me. You know, I mean, and, and that's true. And, and it is interesting to see because I, I do work for nine different schools and it's interesting to see how, so we all follow, there's different levels to it too. So we all follow the our governor's guidelines in, in Virginia. And there's also company guidelines on top of that, that we all follow. And then there are district guidelines that are given to me, maybe, you know, my boss, which is the district director who is pretty much in charge of the nine schools, you know, she might feel uncomfortable and just and say, she has the right to say, hey, I want the teachers, even though the governor said that it's not mandated for them to wear, you know, mask or they're, you know, we can't force them or we can't force teachers to wear a mask. I really want to highly, like super highly encourage people to wear a mask. And then there's the director the director says, and that's different from school to school, um, depending on just sometimes it depends on how many kids are actually at the school, because for a while there was one family with 
we had one school open and it was pretty much one large family and she was an essential worker. And, you know, people were a little lax because it's like, well, they're all living together anyways. But then there was a conversation of, well, we, we, we need to teach them good habits while they're here, you know, their habits at home or their habits at home when they're, you know, together. But we need to teach them good habits here because more kids are going to come and we want the the, the, the kids who are coming back and the new kids to get that sense, the sense of the feeling of this is how we do things here, right? When we line yeah. up, we stand on our stickers and, you know, we make sure that we can't touch each other. You know, when everyone, when we come in here, I, you know, I, and some of it is, and when it's when they see of this is how we do things here, when they see that, then there is less explaining that has to happen because they're processing, especially because they're processing all these things. And like you said, it's what you do matters more than, you know, what you say. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing when they're coming in our programs, they're seeing that each child has their own individual desk or their own spot with their own little label, their own little name tag that they personally make you know, on it. So they, so they're sitting in their spot. Right. And it's just a bunch of things like this. And then, so it's, and it's not only kind of, you know, training the teachers to train the children. It's also, I know even just today we were, we had to get kind of creative about it too. You know, imagine a group of children, right. They're playing with toys. And now what, what we're saying, I think are in this particular school I'm working at, they're, you know, the director said, like, I, every time a child plays with a toy, we need to be spraying that down and we need to disinfect it and sanitize it, which sounds great. And like, oh, practice. That's how we keep, you know, kids healthy. That makes perfect sense. Right. They just touched it. You might have some germs on it before someone else touches it. We need to clean it. it makes perfect sense. But when you have six two year olds who, you know, that's a lot of what they're doing. They're picking up, they're playing with something for a couple of seconds. They're dropping in, they're moving to the next thing. You start to see, you know, the teacher really just, their main job becomes coming up behind them, picking up the toys and sanitizing it and cleaning and disinfecting in that constant process. So how do we still keep up with the health and safety with the intentions of that, which it's not a policy, but the practice that we are trying to implement. But also make it so that the teacher isn't just, you know, it, it's still being, it's still connecting with the children, it's still keeping the children safe in other ways when they're doing things like standing on tables and all those other things that the teacher should be doing with those children. And so one of the things that we implemented, and I helped the teacher implement in some of the older classrooms, um, like the threes and up, is when they're done, and we're starting to implement it a little bit with the twos and the and, and, and the tops, but they're not as they're, they're not going to get it as quickly as you know the older kids and I think the process may look a little different and also the good thing is that there's less kids in the classroom due to ratio and other reasons because we know they're not going to germs to like <laughs> old and younger like that doesn't they don't they're not thinking they're not touching something like ew that's gross that's a germ right they're they're taking it they're putting it in their mouth and and that's how they're exploring and processing information and so we are i don't want to use the word require but I, i get the language is when social distancing can't happen like during diaper changing because you have to be close to them they are just sneezing open mouth right yeah. You're required to wear a mask during those times. Now, for the threes and older, when they're done playing with something, we um, are teaching them and have taught them the school agers have got it. You know, five and up have got it. The threes, the three-year-old and four-year-old, they're, they've got it. You know, sometimes they need reminders. They'll play with something and they're, they're playing with a toy. And when they're done, the way that they clean up is that they put it in a designated spot. You know, and I made it for the room. I did this just today. I, you know, I taught them to put the stuff when they're done playing with it, put it in on top of the sensory table because we're not using the sensory table anymore because that's that's a place where everyone puts their hands in and we're not doing that. So that's closed. We have the lid on, but why not make it functional and that be the place where they put their toys away because the children don't put the toys back in there, back where they go, because right. 
don't want another child to pull it out and then play with it. So they put it on the sensory table. Then the teacher knows they can, and, and, and that's a similar to the kids that no one's playing with that. The teacher sanitizes it and puts it back out. So that way the teacher is not just following behind children all day, you know, picking up their toys and sanitizing. And the kids are still learning to put away their things when they're done and it can still be properly disinfected and sanitized. And it still gives a little bit of room for that teacher to still interact and, and talk to the children and play with them and keep them safe and help them social distance too. Yeah. Has, has implemented is only no more than two children at a center. And so only two children can play in a center and home living together. And and guys, when I tell you, like, it's, it's hard. I mean, I feel like it's hard for me too. Me fully invested and in caring and just see so much value in, you know, children, especially three and four, when they're learning to play together and, and cooperatively in, you know, small groups, it's really hard for me to say, no, you can't play with your friend who you always play with. You know, it's a group of three girls who love to play babies and love to play like house. And, you know, it's hard for me to say that you can't play in the center. And I'm trying to be creative and be like, well, you're in a different part of the house, right? <laughs> and so that yeah. they're playing with each other, but still keeping the distance because, you know, that's important for them to just play. So, yeah, it is. I, I agree. I have to say it is hard. That's hard to do. I can't like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I'm not in, a, <laughs> in that situation right, in a right. daycare center because, it's it's one of the things that it that is hard and it's what I've told you know several people have asked me this week like oh you know I live in this state and school is giving us an option you know if we mm-hmm. want to keep them home or I think it's Virginia is giving them an yeah. option of do you want them to stay home do you want them to come to school um alternate days yeah or do you it was another third one or you can just homeschool your child. So I think it's, it's just, you can home, just choose to homeschool your child completely. You can do distance learning. Uh, so five days a week, they do distance learning. And we are still, you know, as a child care center, um, you know, for because we do before and after care for school agers, we're still mm-hmm. going to take in those school agers. And because there are going to be some parents that are just like, I need to work and I need my kid to do school and I need to do, you know, it didn't work out like working from home and helping my child with school just doesn't work out for me and my job and my expectations. And I would love for you to kind of share what your take is on it with the whole job thing. But the, the third option is a hybrid. So it's alternate days. Kim, we were talking about your, your position on, on jobs and what they <laughs> should Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I'll be, I guess I'll be the devil's advocate. Usually Usually it's you, <laughs> but I, I'll play devil advocate. I'm a firm believer in homeschooling. The only only drawback that I've ever seen in homeschooling is that a lot of times because the children are not in larger social settings, they they have great, great, great education but they miss out on social things. Like I remember I met a girl and her family, well, she, they, she chose to be homeschooled. She wanted to be homeschooled. I guess she was having issues in school and her parents said, fine, you know, you can stay home. But she used to do this thing where she would, in public places where people would be, she would sit on the table. And I would think to myself, <laughs> like, this is a grown person. Like, why are you sitting your butt on the table? How where old people is the eat? She was maybe 18 or 19. Oh, oh. And I did, yeah, she was, this was not a, a child. This was a grown person. And she, you know, people would have a conversation and we would all be at the table and she would sit down on the table and keep talking. And I would just look at her and I couldn't even focus <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, why are you on the table? And I literally would say it over and over don't sit on the table. This is where people put their food. You cannot have your bottom on the table. And I would literally talk to her and say it over and over. And eventually she would say, oh, Kim's here. I can't sit on the table. Like it started <laughs> becoming a thing for her. But 
I've noticed that a lot of times with some people that homeschool, that they don't have the, the social skills that they would get if they went to school. You know, because when you're at school, you go to the lunchroom, you know not to sit on the table. They tell you all the time, hey, eat, then we're going to get up and go outside. Don't sit on the tables. Don't, you know, sit down properly in a chair. You know, so there, things that I, I felt like she should have learned, they didn't focus on because they were more focused on her education and not social setting type of things. It was She was just very laid back. And she wasn't the only person I met that would have issues with social in social settings. It was a little awkward for them because they hadn't done enough. But right. homeschool done properly is you also include them in social settings. Um, So, you know, you put them in activities, you take them different places, you may take them to etiquette school, you do different things with them. And it can be such a huge impact on kids. And I'm a, I'm a, a huge fan of homeschooling. So when I hear people saying, I can't deal with my children, they need to go back to school. I have, I have this thought in my head that, you know, like I said earlier, it's a, it's out of a, a selfish need. It's not out of a it's not out of a, a what what should be done. It's more of a selfish thing. And I feel like we put so much emphasis on school being a daycare. School is not childcare. School is where they go to learn, and they can learn anywhere as long as you have someone that is willing to teach them and that can teach them. I don't feel like we should put an emphasis on on what is the school going to do for the children to get them back in. It should be what is our job going to do to accommodate us with our children? Because that is, I, I think that's the real issue. The real issue is not the school. The real issue is I have a job and this is the reason why I have to put my child in school. So the job should be accommodating you to be able to work and to have a child because they know they hire people that have children. So, you know, and it's unfortunate because it it, kind of swings into other topics, which is why women have so many issues with getting hired in the corporate world, because they assume, hey, she's going to take off every time that kid is sick. She's, if the kid gets in trouble, she's going to be the ones, you know, men don't have that responsibility. It usually falls on women. And so, it's like, oh, women do less work because they are more concerned about their children. So we should pay them less when women are doing just as much work. So it falls into this whole big thing of the job putting so much pressure on the working family that now they have to decide, do I send my kids to school or not? Which is a problem because like I told someone when they asked, when they asked me the question, I said, you know, you're stressed on this situation, but what do you really want to do? And the person said, I really want to keep my kids home. I just don't feel safe about it, but I have a job and they're starting us back at this point. And, you know, this one has special needs and this one, you know, this is what's going on here. And so it was like, I said, you know, in my head, I just gave her a kind of, you'll be okay, just figure it out. Because in my, in my head, I already knew she had already made a decision. And her decision was, I have to send my children back to school. But that is not what people really want to do. People really don't, they don't feel safe. They don't feel like their children are going to be able to social distance. And they're not. Yeah. Because children are not, that. that's not what they do. That yeah. how they learn is in community. How they learn is by being around people. They are socially made to learn in that way. So even like swinging back to your original topic, your original topic opening, when you said, how are our children going to look five to 10 years from now? They are going to look a little bit different, but I'm hoping that it's in a better way because the millennials are spoiled. I always say you have two type of millennials, either they're street smart or they're book smart. It's very rare that you have them have both. You know what I mean? Like they either, you have like one that's just like very, you know, wise and cunning and they can figure things out and, but they're just as dumb as doorknobs when it comes to book smarts. And then you'll have some that like, they are brilliant, but if if you had to take them shopping, grocery shopping, they wouldn't know what to do. I mean, it's very weird to not have, if you get both, you know, both mixed together. 
it's a it's a rare unicorn for me. I just feel like, but I no. feel like with this generation, you may be able to get that because they have a little bit more of this time that they're getting to spend with family and to be in um in a, a setting where they're not always having to have everything right away, right away, right away. Like that's just that's just how I feel about it. All right, I I, I hear you. I- <laughs> <laughs> I can't let the millennial comment go unacknowledged. I know. Uh, and I would argue that every generation has those mixture of people. Um, and I think that, you know, I know this isn't a conversation about generations, although we could <laughs> definitely get in a conversation about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> consideration of time um no i so you know i i i was asked someone messaged me on and, and this is a question and danielle like feel free to like chime in too i know you you said you you know want to amplify our voices but i'm gonna have a question for you guys because it's just a spontaneous thought and question i was messaged and someone asked me to kind of help lead a protest in DC for against the reopening of schools. Right. And, and, you know, I've seen a lot of things on social media of, you know, like, you know, once again, we're we're sacrificing, you know, the teachers. I think I saw a meme that said like, you know, in April, teachers were the angelic, like God sent people from earth. And then in August, they're the sacrificial lands again. And and I, I think on that kind of scale, like I understand. And I don't think that in the realm, I think there are better ways to go about this than reopening the schools. And that's, you know, that's my personal opinion. But I also think that's got to be something that is talked about at the top, top. Like, I think we need to make law because businesses are going to do what businesses do. Businesses have the right to do what they what they want to do, what they feel like is going to make them the most profits. Right. That's what Mm -hmm. capitalism is. Unless there's a law against it. And and that's I, I, I do feel that it has to come from something federal. We need to have some kind of federal mandates about how we're going to operate as a country moving into the next flu season. And I think that's really important. And, and, you know, but I've been in this environment, you know, and it's different too, because once I remember when everything first started happening and things were happening in my family and how I felt in, in terms of just like that sacrificial lamb that teachers are feeling like, and now I feel like I'm already you know, I've been working for so long, been around the, you know, the the two-year-olds and, you know, and I keep my mask on for the most part when I'm in the building. And I'm not only going into, you know, one classroom, like I'm ending up having to go into multiple classrooms and multiple schools. And like, what does that mean? And I try to be very careful yeah. myself and hand sanitizer and Germex and gloves and, and all that jazz. But I wonder... What do you guys think is the right solution? Because when I say, when, and, and when I think about protests, and when I protest, I think it's really important. And when I push is not just, I, think, I don't think a protest should just be detesting something, something, hey, this is what we don't want. I think a, a, an important part of protest is, hey, this is what we do want, right? You're not just detesting something, you're protesting something. So like, what do you guys think is the right way solution like moving forward uh, kim it sounds like you're like jobs should just really focus and help the parents out and whatever that schedule looks like or whether it's you know having lower expectations of their productivity or you think there should be should there be a government assisted nannies and you know the government comes in and is like all right we think that the nannies can homeschool the our, the next generation of children, at least for this year. And, you know, Adventure Nannies comes in and, you know, they get a government contract. No, what do you guys think is 
the best way moving forward? I mean, I, I, I believe there are already things set in place that a lot of people just don't know about. Um, I'll give you an example. A lot of people, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get in trouble for giving this information out, but a lot of people will have children that have disabilities and they will have that child and they'll deal with it and not realize that they can get social security for that child with certain disabilities. Some people will apply for for social security for their children with disabilities and because they've been denied, they won't appeal it. Usually, just FYI, if you ever apply for social security, they will deny it the first time. That every time they'll deny it. You if you like, apply like again, the, like the they'll the, just do they just do it. They do it. They they assume that if you apply and you really want it, you'll apply again. They always they always say no the first time. The second time is when they will go into like doing more or whatever for the appeal and they'll um they'll go more into the appeal or whatever. So like so security is always one thing that, that people could, you know, see if they if, if they have children with disabilities because I know that you know, sending children back to school that have IEPs is really important because a lot of times the parents just have a hard time dealing with it. But the schools also have resource workers, resource teachers that work with you with children with IEPs. So that's one thing. When it comes to homeschooling, a lot of people have done group homeschooling where they get different families in the area. One one mom may teach English. One mom may teach, you know, math. And they, the kids go to that home or those specific homes. The, the parents work together and they, they form a group, mm-hmm. which is that their education system, it can be done. So if you have a job that's saying, listen, you have to come to school, you have to come to work three days out of the week. And the other days we're still social distancing. So we have people going back and forth. Well, then maybe you can get with another mom that has to go three days out of the week. And if you guys schedule your work schedule to work, you could homeschool your children together. That could be their, that could be their group and their, their schooling. You could hire a nanny. For some people that have children with disabilities, there's a government program where they will allow you, I don't know the name of it, but you can probably call social services or find out from your local agencies. They have programs where they will have, especially like autistic children, they'll pay for you to have someone come in your home to be a babysitter, a nanny, and they pay them well. I have a family member she adopted her children. Her son is autistic and she has, she's a part of that program and she actually gets paid to be his mother. Like she gets paid to his, as his mother to be his babysitter, to watch him. Like there are so many things that people actually take the time to figure out. But I believe that education is something that can be worked out. I don't believe that putting your children off on the school system is going to be the answer because as we've seen, school could easily be shut down again. All it takes is one kid, one kid to go to school and they will shut it down. I think there's um in, in either Wisconsin or something, they tried to go to camp. 87 kids got, 87 kids and adults got sick and they had to shut the whole camp down with COVID. Yikes. 87. And that was just this past week. So can you imagine opening school back up and then two weeks into school, five kids come down with COVID and the whole school has to shut down? What is your job going to say? What are you going to do then? You have to have a backup plan. School can't just be the answer. So yes, I do, I do believe that maybe the government should look at having nannies come into the home and help and, or like that this family schooling system with uh smaller groups of, of people can be something that is, you know, a thought. So I know I we have to wrap up. So I'm kind yeah. of, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I know we're wrapping up and I just want, I like that fam, like that family school idea. That was, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but I feel like that's, that's taking it like old school, mm-hmm. but you, they still get somewhat of the, school experience to a degree it's still also being you know educated probably probably better than what they would in the education system Um, yeah i've seen i've seen it done um when i lived in michigan and it was amazing 
It was yeah. like I, I've never seen anything like that. But they, the women there, had a system. You know, they they took the kids on field trips. Certain days, certain yeah. moms got a break because all the kids yeah. went to the other yeah. person's house. It it worked out amazing for them. And I, I mean, if all else fails, you have to figure out how your children are going to get their education because that's important. And I feel like we we have to start thinking outside the box when it comes to it and do what needs to be done. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I love the idea. Cool. I do too. I really love it. And you know, something that I've been thinking as I've just been listening to y'all kind of share these amazing ideas. I actually grew up in a homeschool co-op. My mom is a registered nurse and has worked and kind of been very busy from the time that I was born and, and the rest of my siblings. And one of the things that she was always very committed to was our education uh, throughout what was a lot of difficult personal circumstances, she made that a priority and did exactly what you've outlined, Kim. We had uh, different families that would organize, you know, one was the geology teacher, one was the humanities teacher. We had incredible field trips. Um, There's some of the best memories of my life and I can speak for myself, but also I think my siblings would agree that it really was an incredible time. And as we kind of grew older, I eventually did go to, um, to traditional school. But when I did start traditional school, uh, both me and a lot of other members of the, the homeschool co-op were placed way ahead of our age group because of the amount of one-on-one interaction and education that we had from leaders in the industry. So what I'm saying is that my mom was teaching biology because she was a nurse. And the other mom who was in the biotech world was teaching something related to that. And then the other father who was an amazing engineer was teaching that. So we were learning from incredible people within each of their own industries respectively, directly from them. So it was really powerful. And I think that, you know, in listening to this conversation, one of the things that I'm hearing so heavily that I think is really important to kind of draw attention to for our listeners is the idea of connection and the idea of community care. I think that we are all very worried about what will happen if we raise children who are fearful about interaction and one another and physical contact. And we don't want to raise children who are fearful. We want to raise children who are cautious, who are aware, who are smart, who are seeking truth, but we do not want to raise an entire generation of people who are terrified of everything around them because they grew up in the midst of a pandemic. And I think that part of that really ties into so many of the great points that you both have made about understanding the ability that we have as care providers to really help guide the families that we're working with, the parents that we're working with, into really looking at you know, what is the value of our education system versus what is the value of our community care for one another? What can we do as individuals to work together to support, yes, the education of our children, but also the mental and emotional growth of our children throughout what is a very difficult time? I think that, Kim, you mentioned the idea of selfishness versus community care. And I think that's such a huge and important point that we all kind of need to look at you know, what is my role in endangering other people or potentially exposing other people to things that are not in the risk tolerance that they're willing to be in? You know, like you mentioned, Chaz, I think it's really important to make sure that as caregivers working with families, we're looking at these situations and saying, all right, I'm going to commit to a certain amount of precautions on behalf of my own safety, but also on behalf of the safety of the people that I will be working with, the children I'll be working with, and then have the conversation with the families so that that expectation is a two-way street. Everybody needs to work together to protect one another. I think the idea of trying to look at what companies and businesses and corporations can do to support working parents right now is essential. We can't look at the idea of education as this island that just exists off in the middle of nowhere. It is an integral part of the next generation and their success and our future as a society. So I think we can all agree that it is an essential part of growing. We need to have education be something that is at the forefront of our focus. But on the other hand, in the midst of a pandemic, it is not smart 
to be risking actual lives for anything. So I think, you know, it's a lot to think about. And I don't personally have an answer to it. I really don't. But I feel like the conversation really needs to be about how we can work together as a community to support one another, how businesses can work to support working parents and to prioritize the future of our society by understanding that those working parents are, yes, providing to the bottom line of that business, but they are also literally raising the next generation who will dictate what our society looks like. So there needs to be a certain level of support for those parents, especially in the midst of a pandemic, which is really torpedoing the idea and ability of just send your kids to school. I don't feel like sacrificing the physical safety of teachers and educators is the right way. And I want to be really clear that that's just my personal opinion, but I I really am hearing what you're saying. And I think that there has to be a better way to go about this. But I think that when we look at the society that we're in right now, so many areas of what we're encountering are things that are really requiring us to completely reimagine the systems that are in place when it comes to a lot of the issues around race, when it comes to a lot of the issues around education, when it comes to issues about the way that we are reacting to a pandemic. I think as a society, we're really having to look at what have we accepted as status quo that no longer serves us. The idea of being selfish and only focusing on what's good for me does not serve society as a whole and ultimately is actually not good for me. So I think it's just really important to think about all of the things that you'll mentioned. You're the queen of wrap-ups, Danielle. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) Oh, you were too nice. Too nice. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the both of you. Um, Your incredible experiences and your insight are actually priceless. And I just feel that we are really lucky to be able to hear them and to be able to have the opportunity to share them with other people. And I would love to share, um, if you wouldn't mind each of you taking a moment to share your social media handles so that we can make sure that folks can follow you and continue to support the work that you're doing. Chaz, do you mind sharing yours first to start? First thing I want to share is uh, my Patreon, and it's a site where you can support creators, but also get exclusive content. I'm using it for um, online courses, daily tips. Like you'll message, you can message me questions. Like why is my child not listening to me? Why is my child coloring on? You know what can I do if my child is talking back to me or whatever your challenge is? You can message me, and I give daily tips. Every day I'll respond to it in video form um, on, on top of the online courses, on top of the access to individualized coaching. And I'm going to start doing group coaching as well. Um, my I've made it super affordable so people can take advantage of it. I've been advised not to because I'll never make any money that way. Um, let's prove everyone wrong. So go, yes. go on there. I think if there's enough people um, who I'm supporting and helping that it will um, it will be enough for me. So definitely go out there and support that. Um, I also do an interactive podcast, which I'm thinking next week on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, Kim is going to be on. Um, and we're going to probably kind of continue this conversation, maybe go even a little deeper into it uh, and maybe even hit some of the topics that we weren't able to hit here. Um, maybe we'll even talk about different generations, who knows? Um, but definitely go out to and see my interactive podcast it happens every 7 p.m. Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's on Get Vocal and you just search Chaz, C-H-A-Z-Z, and you'll find me. I'm a featured content creator. So the Patreon, w- oh, I didn't even say the name of the Patreon www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz is my Patreon where you get all the daily tips. I'm literally changing lives. So be a part of that. Be a part of the movement, not only making your life better, but also your child's life better. Um, The Get Vocal Interactive Podcast. And I will, you'll just, I think there's a way that I'm going to send Danielle the link and maybe she can put it in the notes. Absolutely. Um, and then you can also find me on TikTok. That's where most people find me. I have over now 60,000 followers. And that is through Tick Teach Talk, T I C K 
teach, T-E-A-C-H, talk, T-O-K. And then you can find me on Instagram as Mr. Chaz, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. And those are the primary three places you can find me and I can hopefully change your life. Reach out. (laughs) Awesome. So you can find me, Kimberly, um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, although I'm not on there much, but Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as at Nanny Kim on the go. So Nanny Kim on the go across the board. So um, you can find me at, at any of those places on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at Nanny Kim on the go. My website is um, Nanny Kim on the go.com. So same, same thing, just a .com at the end. And every other Friday, Chaz and I have the Chaz and Kim way on my Instagram. So we usually get together. We talk about some things that um, are important and what's going on and, you know, just around us and what people are talking about that has to do with childcare. But we mainly focus on um, the parents um, to the parents. And um, we do have like a lot of nannies and stuff that tune in, but we, we basically are parent consultants and educators. So we do try and give parents help and they can ask questions and we do it live and we answer the questions. So that's um, one place that you can find me um, if you want to find me live. And also I am taking consultations now. So um, I, my schedule is open. If you want to make an appointment with me and, you know, have any questions or if you're trying to figure out, you know, nanny things and nanny is new for you. I know I have a lot of clients that come to me and they don't, they want to hire a nanny on their own and not go through like an agency. They want to have hands on. So they come to me and I help them. I walk them through that process. So if you would like to, you know, set up a consultation, you can, if you just have questions you want to ask about what's going on, you know, I have it all set up on my website. So you can go to um, Nanny Kim on the go with www.nannykimonthego.com. And that's where you'll find me. Can I do one last plug? Of course. Um, I and, and it's just because I just saw this and I wanted to uh, share it. Someone just messaged me. and I just kind of want to share this because this really warmed my heart. She messaged me and said, you are the only reason I went on TikTok every day. Your videos have helped me so much with my children. The crazy thing is I wasn't even consciously making changes to my parenting. Every once in a while, your videos would pop up on my For You page. I followed you because you talked about interesting things. But then I started noticing how I wasn't snapping at my kids so much anymore. I thought, maybe they're just acting better now. And in a sense, they were. I realized I had started to listen to what my children were trying to tell me instead of yelling at them and brushing off their concerns. Thank you so much. Thank you for making me a better parent. Thank you for making me a better teacher. I hope all your dreams come true. And that just, I just wanted to share, like I get messages like that all the time. And I really want the parents out there who are listening. I I really want you to be a part of it. and And I really think you never know. And sometimes it's just small changes that make the biggest impact. So I just want to give one last plug. Sign up for my Patreon. Wow. That, that message, honestly, it makes me want to cry. It is so beautiful. And I think it is a perfect yeah. testament to the incredible impact that both of you um, are having in the world of childcare and working with parents and providing them with these incredible resources. And I would encourage our use, our listeners rather, um, whether you are a parent, whether you are in childcare, please reach out and and connect yourself with these two experts. And and you will be so uh, incredibly encouraged by the amount of helpful and insightful tips and ideas that you will learn. I think that uh, you know it is our honor and privilege to be able to speak with you and to be able to learn more from you here on this podcast. But I really would encourage our listeners to to take the time to check out the the different ways on social media that you can follow these two experts and really learn from them. And I apologize about my dog, but it's time to wrap up. I know he's like time to go, Mama. Oh, I'm so sorry. All right, thank you both so much for your time. And I hope that you have a wonderful evening. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon.
Yes, same. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at adventurenannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye. Bye.